0: day a year, Lord Jesus, but we come into your presence even this day, Lord Jesus, to continually to lift up and magnify and glorify and lift up your holy name, Lord Jesus. It is you and you alone, Lord Jesus, that gives us life and health and breath in our bodies, Lord Jesus. It's you and you alone, Lord, that gives us peace and joy beyond what we can understand or comprehend, O God. It is you, Lord Jesus, who gives us your righteousness as a robe, O God, that we might be the righteousness of God to a lost and dying world. Lord, we thank you. For that day that you were born. We also thank you for the day of your death, O God. The day of your resurrection, Lord Jesus. Uh, and that day that happened on that day of Pentecost when you made it available to your to whomsoever will, Lord Jesus. We are glad that we one day were the, that, that to whomsoever will. That person, Lord, that you drew to you. Father, thank you for drawing us today. For giving us the gift of salvation for giving us the gift of Your holiness and Your righteousness. Thank You, Father, for giving us the gift of life and health and breath. Thank You, Father, for giving us the gift, O God. Oh, Lord Jesus, that gift that keeps on giving to us every single day that we worship You. Every single day that we not only lift our voices, but we lift our hearts and our mind, our will up before you, Lord. We submit our will to your will, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you today, Lord, as we do every day, Lord, that your will would be accomplished in and through us today. Father, you're so worthy of us today. You're so worthy. You made us worthy. Father, You made us to be worthy. You made us Your sons. You made us to be Your bride, Lord Jesus. You made us to be, uh, oh God, Your hands and Your feet upon this earth. Your voice to a lost world, Lord Jesus. We thank You, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for You today. We're so thankful for Your love and mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, we honor You and we praise You today. Hallelujah what a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord once again oh God and as i said we don't just take one day out of the year and just uh, and thank God for baby Jesus we we worship him in our life every single day of our life Amen. There doesn't go a moment, unless I'm sleeping, there doesn't go a moment that I don't think about the Lord, that I don't thank Him for every breath that's in me, that I don't thank Him that I'm still walking around on this earth, that I don't thank Him for every trial and every test and every difficulty and everything He allows in my life to purify me. Amen. Amen. I don't ever want to pray a prayer that says something like, Lord, take this away. Because I know that He knows as my Heavenly Father what it is I need in my life to reveal the things that I need dealt with so that He can deal with them so that I can be made pure and made whole and made right in His eyes. Amen. And so we come together this day. We celebrate this time of year when when the world celebrates the birth of Jesus. But as I said, we don't just wait for one day a year to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because without a birth, there wouldn't have been a death. There wouldn't have been a life for us to look at in the book and follow. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so there had to be a life of Christ to follow. Amen. There had to be a death in order for us to have what we have, this precious gift of salvation that we have today. What a privilege it is. We're so thankful that everybody's here, thankful for our pastor Sorry that he's going to be a geographical bachelor for a couple of days. Sister Becker's out of town, but we're going to keep her lifted up in prayer while she's visiting family in Kentucky and elsewhere. Amen that God brings her back safe and sound with Elena. Amen and uh, hallelujah. They're just having some mom and daughter bonding time. Hallelujah <laughs> Amen. so amen, let's let's sing a few of these Christmas Carol's Christmas songs this morning. Amen, if I could get my sound booth person to work with me. Amen. The
1: first Noel the angels did say Was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was Entered in the
0: Celebrate you today, Father. We celebrate you today. We have this day, Lord Jesus, to celebrate you. You've given us this day, O oh God, to celebrate you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for coming and dying on a cross for us,
1: Lord, and giving us life everlasting, Lord Jesus. Oh come all ye faithful. Joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold Him, born the King of angels. O oh, come, let us adore Him. O oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh come, let us adore Him cry. Be citizens of heaven above. Glory to God. Glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore Him. O oh, come, let us adore Him. O oh, come, let us adore Him. Us to Thee, be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. O come, let us adore Him. Come let us adore Him. O oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. For He alone is worthy. For He for you
0: Thank you. Thank you for being a God that is able to be touched with
1: the feeling of our infirmities, oh God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it might not be this exact time of year, this exact date. Because nobody really, really, really knows the, the exact date when he was born. But we do know, historically, that he was born in a, in a town called Bethlehem. We do know that he was born. Amen. And, and he was born in a manger. We do know that he was born in a, in a stall. We do know that it wasn't the most opportune and most beautiful place for a king to be born in. But thank God He was born. Amen. All of that did take place, and so that's why we celebrate Him. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. O oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see Thee lie above Thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by, and in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary, and gather all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together, proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to all the earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. Oh, we may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him still, still dear I enters in. O child, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels great glad tidings tell. O oh, come to us, abide in us, our Lord Emmanuel. O oh, O town of Bethlehem How still we see thee lie Above thy deep and dreamless sleep The silent stars go by Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in Thee tonight.
2: Praise God! We're gathered here together in the presence of Almighty God to give thanks that God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are so thankful today. We're thankful every day. But we are thankful today that you came as a man, that you dwelt among us, that you lived life perfectly as an example to us, and that at the day appointed you suffered on a cross and died for our sins, that we might have everlasting life with you. God, let's do that right now, can we? Let's seek him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting with us, for ministering to us, for reminding us again. that the blessings of serving you start right here today. We don't have to wait until eternity to experience God. We don't have to wait until we make it home to get to know you, to become like you, to experience the fullness of 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 God in our lives. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is why you came. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And it is not at all a coincidence that This is what I would like to speak to today. <coughs> I have a message prepared, but uh, I don't know how closely we're going to follow it today. I think the Lord would would speak something else. Amen. Um, you can be seated, please. Before we do uh, begin... I'd like to, uh, and I hope I pronounced this right. Uh, Ryan Huseman. Amen. God bless you, sir. <laughs> we have similar handwriting. <laughs> Amen. So good to have you with us this morning. Amen. If there's anything we can do to assist you or help you, uh, let one of our ushers or greeters know, and we'll get that taken care of for you. Amen. God bless you. All right, Um, our scripture text today is going to be found in Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. It will also not be a surprise to you what our topic is this morning, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. And as it has been alluded to already, uh, we celebrate that every single day. We don't need one particular day. Uh, The world separates this day out, this season, uh, to remember this. And I guess thank God that they remember it sometime. But uh, those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, those that have experienced God for themselves, we don't need a day, we don't need to be reminded We ought to encounter God every single day. That carries with it a lot of good and potentially some pitfalls as well. Luke chapter 1 starting with verse 26 states this, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused a to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favoured. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and And shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I'd also like to read from Matthew chapter 2. Verse 11, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says this, And when they were come into the house, speaking of the wise men, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated today. For the biblical Christian, every day ought to be Christmas. And what I mean by that is Christmas, when people start speaking about Christmas, it seems, at least culturally speaking in the United States, there is a change in the atmosphere. There's a change. Uh, Generally speaking, Uh, people put lights out, decorations, they have the manger scene out there on the front lawn. Uh, It just seems that everything is different for a little while. Would that it would remain that way, Uh, but it doesn't. It goes back and, and it's forgotten until next season. We know that it's been highly commercialized to the point where it's almost disgusting. Uh yeah, it's uh it's focused on buying. Buying, buying, buying. Buy for this, buy for that. Spend money, spend money here, spend money there. Uh and that's what Christmas is to a lot of people. But as a biblical Christian, we ought never forget why it is we celebrate Christmas. It's not the gifts. I enjoy gifts as much as the next guy. I enjoy giving as well as getting. Uh, I, I see nothing inherently wrong with that, buying someone a present, receiving a present. But the focus isn't receiving presents. The focus isn't even giving presents. The focus is Jesus Christ. And specifically, one thing in particular, that God was manifest in the flesh, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's why we celebrate the Old Testament God. Manifest himself in flesh. The angel told Joseph, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us the God who is present, the God who is here, the God who is with us, that desires a relationship with us. He's not far away. He's not someone who is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows us. He didn't die for the world. He died for individuals. He didn't create a bunch of millions and billions of people with the snap of a finger. He formed each one personally. He formed each one of us with love and with purpose. And he infused each of us with gifts and talents befitting us. Those things that were perfect for us. That would complete us. He loves individuals. He died for individuals. And again, as a biblical Christian, every time we bend our knee in worship to God, every time we come into His presence in prayer to God, every time we open the Word of God for daily bread or for study, we encounter God. We ought to. We ought to encounter God every single day. We ought to be growing closer to Him, becoming more like Him. But in those encounters, we run the danger of becoming familiar with God. We run the danger of it being all too common. that it becomes profane. And so when we start thinking about Christmas, and we start thinking about the the idea that God manifests Himself in flesh and dwelt among us, That ought to blow our minds. That ought to be just like... I study a lot of disparate topics. I like to study uh, biology, microbiology, cellular biology. Uh, I like to study archaeology. I like to study uh, math. I I like to study all these things. God has given me a gift, I think, to, to... Understand abstract things. But what he hasn't given me is the ability to always understand concrete things. So I play to my strengths. Anyway, uh, and these things fascinate me. And they fascinate me for, for one primary reason. They fascinate me because every time I learn something new about God's creation, I learned something about God. I learn about its creator. And that's the reason I study these things out. They are so fascinating to me because they point to a creator. They're not fascinating in and of themselves. I've, I've read quotes from I don't know how many secular scientists. They're not amazed at what they discover. They're amazed that any of this works at all. And from their worldview, rightly so. They're not amazed that this equation, I've I've been able to solve this equation. They're amazed that the equation exists at all in a form that I can understand and that it's so easily solved. Why does all this stuff work? Well, we know, don't we? It's a simple answer. There's a mind behind it. There's There's a supreme intelligence behind it. And every time I learn something new, every time I see something, the, the chemical pathway of the immune system, that is absolutely mind-blowing. All of the, all of the chemicals' uh, interactions that take place. How does the body know to clot the blood only where I get cut? Why doesn't it clot the blood everywhere? Well, there's a reason for that. God designed it that way. And we can get glimpses into that design process. Anyway, my point in bringing all this up is we cannot allow ourselves to get familiar with what seems to be to us commonplace. We see it all the time. We know there's a creator. When I, when I look at something new, when I, when I look at something that I've looked at before, I'm doing so with the preconceived idea that this is going to point to a creator. And it does. But I can't allow that to just, oh yeah, yep, yep, he created it. Not at all. These things blow my mind. Everything I see about God's creation, even the the seeming mundane things like, Photosynthesis. Chlorophyll. You know, you know that the sun's rays destroy everything in God's creation except chlorophyll? It's absolutely amazing. Water. Have you guys looked at the properties of water? It is absolutely incredible what water is. It has so many unique properties. And God designed that. And he designed it to fit in with everything else that he created. But even all of that cool stuff pales in comparison to the creator himself. All of these things point to a creator. A creator who loves us. A creator who knows who we are. A creator who has invited us into his presence. There are a lot of misconceptions about who God is today. There are a lot of preconceived ideas. And those preconceived ideas are built sometimes on who our Father was. It's built sometimes on who our friends say that God is. It's built sometimes on who we watch on the the TV or listen to on the radio or read in a book or a YouTube thing. Rather than going to the source rather than going to the word of god, rather than going to him in prayer and asking him himself. Is that okay if we do that? If 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 you hear something about me that's not so flattering, I would really appreciate it if you would come to me and talk to me about it and see if that's true. I I and I'm serious. I'd really appreciate it if you would talk to me about that. Instead of just, well, they said it, so it must be true. You'd appreciate it if I heard something bad about you. If I came and talked to you about it. Yeah, I've been hearing this. Is this actually true? Yeah, I didn't think so. So, People's ideas about who God is, people's ideas about what God wants or or what he desires from his people are all over the map. I talk to people at work and they're, uh, I talked to one guy, he's, He's going to be in church today from eight thirty to about one thirty he said <clears throat> and uh, he wasn't looking forward to it. He was uh, needing to check that off and so he could get on with the rest of the day and I never have a lot of time, but I try to explain to well i'm I'm going to be in church I'm very much looking forward to it. Because that's another encounter with God. He's never encountered God. He never really has. He's never felt the presence of God. He's never come to an altar and felt that, that weight of godly sorrow. A lot of people never have. And so their ideas of God are are not right. They're they're false. And so, I mean, it's no wonder. I mean, when I was a kid, I grew up Lutheran. I felt the same way. We've got to go to church because the parents are dragging us to church, and, and I can't wait to get out. Enjoy the day. But there was a reason for that. I never really encountered God. I encountered a chore. I encountered a duty, an obligation. Folks, serving God is not a duty. It's not an obligation. It's a pleasure. It's a joy. And it was created to be such. We were created from the ground up to worship and to serve our Creator. That's the purpose of all of this. And this God, this Old Testament God, from the very beginning desired to dwell in the midst of his people. From the time Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he instituted a plan whereby he could restore that relationship. That's the whole point of all of this. That's the whole point of Christmas. That's the whole point of Easter. Any religious uh, tradition that we observe The point is salvation. The point is a relationship between God and man. That's it, folks. It's very simple. Nothing new here. No no great revelation. But the very fact that it is simple is both astounding to me and potentially dangerous. I don't ever want that to be commonplace in my life. I don't want to ever get to the, the, the place where yeah, okay, I'm going to go pray again, I'm gonna meet God again. Uh, I, and I know as a human being, I'm capable of that. I'm capable of getting used to absolutely anything. I got used to jumping on airplanes. The first few times, that was a thrill, folks. But the, the 55th, 60th time, It was just a chore. Just get me on out of here. There was no thrill in it anymore. It was just work. Let's get this over with. You can get used to anything. Even the presence of God. Even the idea that this God, this infinitely powerful, infinitely wise, infinitely knowing God, Desires a relationship with me. Desires that I get to know Him personally. Not just read about Him, but to experience Him. To experience Him. Christmas is for us culturally a time of tradition. These cultural traditions are present, still largely observed, whether you're a biblical Christian or not. People play Christmas music. Put Bing Crosby on the, on the Spotify. <clears throat> uh, whatever it might be. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Uh, whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. But they're playing Christmas music. They're decorating. They're observing family traditions. Do you celebrate on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day? Where do you celebrate it? It's different for everybody. But all of these things are traditions, and they're observed. Now, we know that not everybody feels this way about Christmas or this way during Christmas. For some people, it can be a time of sadness, loneliness, depression. They don't have family to celebrate. They have nowhere else to go. They don't have enough money to to buy the presents they want. And because that's the focus, they're they're stressed out about that. And because people choose to focus on that aspect of Christmas, yeah, that can be a little depressing. That can be a little discouraging, stressful. Where are we going to go celebrate? When do they want us there? What do I need to bring? Some people are going to like six, seven, eight different houses to celebrate with different people. I'm like, wow, that that tires me out just just listening to you. We can focus on all of that, or we can choose to focus on the mystery of godliness. That God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. We could focus on that instead. That God wrapped himself in flesh, that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. I've mentioned before how during this time period, the Hellenization of the Jews was such that they were a little bit embarrassed about this God who wanted to be present with them. They had stopped pronouncing His name. They had stopped using His name in speech because it's too holy to pronounce. That was never God's intention, folks. He wanted His name pronounced. He wanted His name uh, pronounced as an invocation uh, to the, the congregation, as a, as a covenant blessing. He wanted to be present with his people. They had made him something aloof, something far off, like the other Greek and Roman gods were. That was never God's intention. It was always God's intention to be present, to be close, as close as the mention of his name. It was always God's intention to be with his people. We see in the In the Exodus, when they received the tabernacle plan and orders to make camp, where was the tabernacle? Where was the presence of God? Right in the center of the camp. That's right. Right in the dead center. And that's where God wants to be in our lives today. Dead center. Our life built around him. Not including Him when we can, where we can. It's built around God. I am a Christian. I am to be Christ-like. I am to disciple myself, to follow Him, to follow His example. Amen. Whether it's easy or not, and I promise you, it's often not. But disciple myself, discipline myself, I must. Because what's the goal, folks? Momentary pleasure? Momentary ease? Is that the goal? What's the end game here? I want to make it to glory. I want to live with Jesus forever. But in the meantime, Sister Parker, I want to experience him every single day right here and right now. I want to be present with him. Just like he wants to be present with me. I want to build my life around his will and his plan for my life. Because that's the best plan. That's the best plan. The perfect will of God for me is to follow him. We see in the Bible that he's referred to as the second Adam. Why did we need another one? Well, because the first one failed. The first one was supposed to live perfectly and righteously in accordance with God's will. He chose a different path. He chose to decide right and wrong on his own. And so God instituted a plan to restore that relationship, culminating in the cross of Christ, the second Adam, who did live perfectly, who did live righteously, who example to us who we were. Sin was never a part of God's creation. Death was never supposed to be a part of God's creation. Suffering, sickness, disease, that was never supposed to be a part of God's creation. We did that. We brought that curse upon us because of sin. What Jesus did is He removed that for us if we would simply accept His free gift. That's what He did. He removed the penalty of sin, all of it, if we would accept His free gift. He lived the way that we were always meant to live. He exampled to us the way that we were always supposed to be. What a wonderful thing that is. That's who I was supposed to be. That's who you were supposed to be. The way that he lived. Perfectly. Above sin. Above temptation. He was tempted. Just like you and I are. But he never succumbed to temptation. He struggled with everything that you and I struggle with. Men, can I be transparent here? He went through puberty. He was a teenager. He struggled with all those raging hormones just like you did. Or are. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Brother McGinnis still is. He's almost out of puberty. (laughs) Close. Close. But he knows what it's like, folks. He knows how to live above it. He knows how to defeat temptation and sin. And through him, so do we. Through him, so can we. He's the second Adam the people that we were supposed to be. When we're in God's presence, it ought to be a wondrous experience. A wondrous experience. Now, I am not one that believes that Our Christian walk ought to be 100% experience, and that's it. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's a healthy way to live as a Christian. There is also a matter of faith, faith in the Word of God. Faith is what brings us into the presence of God. If we look at the wise men, there were quite probably more than three But they were wise men. Before they even saw who Jesus was, they looked for him by faith. They believed that the star would lead them to Jesus, into his presence. So they followed the star by faith. When they found Jesus, they got to experience him. And when they experienced him, what was their reaction? They fell to their knees. They bowed, they worshiped, they gave gifts unto him. Amen. I think the same thing applies to us. Before I was ever before I ever experienced the presence of God, I read in the Bible that God was he existed. That he's real. I read in the Bible that he suffered on a cross and died for me. That he would forgive me of my sins if I would ask him to. I read these things and I believed them enough to come to a church service where I experienced God for the very first time. And when I experienced God, I fell to my knees. And I worshipped him. And I repented of my sins. And I gave him glory. Amen. And every single time I'm blessed to experience God in that manner or in any manner, I worship him. I thank him. Because I remember a time in my life where I had never experienced God before. I had never once experienced the presence of God. I've never felt that. I'd never felt that before. Now I can feel it any time I desire. I can enter into his presence any time that I want. And he's never bothered. He's never troubled. He always has time. Any time I need him, any time I desire him, I can enter into a place of prayer. I can open the Word of God and begin to to read and receive from Him His precious words of truth. All of this is possible, folks, because He was manifest in the flesh. If He had never come in the flesh, we'd still be sacrificing bullocks and goats and rams. Rolling our sins forward year after year after year. If I were a converted Jew. If I were a proselyte. I would never be a child of Abraham. How could I be? My descendants were someone else. Ancestors were someone else. Today we are all spiritual descendants of Abraham. Abraham. Spiritual Jews, the people of God, the people of God by birth, spiritual birth, because he was born in a manger those many years ago. That's the reason for the season. And it cannot, we cannot allow it to become common, ordinary, or something that we celebrate one time a year. This ought to be celebrated every single day of our lives. It's worth celebrating, folks. He died for me. He he spilt his blood for me. I had nothing to offer him. I had a dumpster fire of a life to give him. That's what I had to offer I'd offer him roasted rat, roasted on a a truck tire fire. Pretty tasty. Yeah, that's what I had to offer Jesus. Jesus had everything to offer me. He had everything I needed, every single thing I needed or even desired. Whether I knew it or not, he had it. It was a very one-sided transaction, folks. Very one-sided. And I was blessed to be able to say yes to it. Worship ought to be, should be, the outward expression of our faith. Our faith leads us into the presence of God. We encounter God. There ought to be some some spirit in us, some some desire to worship, some desire to, to give thanks for what he has done. After salvation, God continues to give good gifts unto us. He continues to bless us with a growing vibrant relationship with him he continues to heal our bodies our minds, our spirits provide our every need so many of our wants because he loves us because he loves us so how do we demonstrate our love for God The Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. When we receive the love of God, we are now free to love Him back. We're free to love one another unconditionally. What a powerful thing that is, that I can love you whether you love me or not. I can love someone out there whether they love me or not. I don't need it reciprocated. Why because I'm full up with love already. I've received the love of Christ. I have all the love that I need. Amen. I'm free to love myself. And see myself the way that Jesus does. And again, that's not, that's not a weird, sick kind of love. That's not a... a self-love thing I see myself as Jesus does narcissistic thank you it's not narcissism It's I see myself as Jesus sees me as he created me to be that's very healthy what's not healthy is self-loathing what's not healthy is looking at myself in any other way than Jesus sees me and created me to be when I see myself through his eyes I'm free to to be okay in my own skin. And that's a good thing, folks. So what's one way I can demonstrate my love for God? Through many ways. But one way is through our worship. So what's worship? We just did worship, right? That's not all worship is, but I hope we were worshiping when we were singing those songs. Yeah, but worship is more than that, isn't it? Is it lifting holy hands? Is it clapping and singing? Is it dancing? The dictionary defines worship as reverence offered a divine being or supernatural power an act of expressing such reverence. In other words, worship is an outward expression of our respect and devotion to God. We see that all through Scripture. Anytime someone encountered God, particularly in the Old Testament, when Isaiah encountered God, his proclamation was, Woe is me, for I am undone. When John the Revelator saw God on the Isle of Patmos, he fell at his feet as dead. In other words, folks, I know that worship oftentimes leads to a change in our physical posture, but it ought to. What we feel in here ought to be reflected out here. What I believe in here ought to be reflected out here by my actions, my choices, my decisions. And when I encounter the presence of God and I feel Him so powerfully, and even when I feel nothing at all, talk about that in a second. But when I feel the presence of God and I, and I know He's present here so powerfully, there ought to be some kind of physical reaction instead of. Like I've observed some people do, not here, but in other places. I know the presence of God is here. You can see it in the congregation. You can see the, the results of that. You can feel it for yourself. But there's people there just yucking it up, chatting on their phones. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, maybe they're not feeling what you're feeling. My response to that is, so what? Is that why I worship God? Because I get goosebumps? Is that why I worship God? Because I get my Pentecostal fix? My candy stick? I hope not. I worship God because he's worthy. I worship God because I love him and I have a desire to please him. That's why I worship God. It benefits me. It sure does. Pastor Williams would always say, going through the motions brings on the emotions. Like David, worshiping, dancing before the Lord with all his might. If I'm not feeling God, I promise you something. More often than not, if I'll go through the motions anyway, if I'll lift my hands, if I'll pray out loud and worship, it's not too long after that before I start feeling something. God comes rushing in that to you in that instance. But regardless of whether I feel anything or not, when I go to him in prayer, sometimes I feel him just overwhelmingly powerful. Other times there is nothing there at all. doesn't matter that's not why I'm praying that's not why I'm worshiping because he's worthy and because I love him because of all that he's done for me why does he give me good gifts because he feels my presence so powerfully maybe he does but it's not because I'm powerful and that's not why he would do it anyway it's because he loves me. Because he loves me. So when we enter into the presence of God, folks, it really ought not matter. And understand, I, I realize what I'm saying when I say this. I have, maybe I should say it this way, I have purposed in my heart That when I come to church, when I enter into a place of worship or prayer, I have purposed in my heart that it doesn't matter to me what kind of day I had, what I'm going through right now, whether I end up feeling His presence or not. That is not going to matter to me. It can't matter. Why would it matter? God lives far above all of that anyway. And when I come into his presence, I, I could have had a perfect day. I could have had a great day. That really shouldn't matter either. Because God is worthy no matter what kind of day I had. God is worthy if I'm hacking up a lung or I feel on top of the world. God is worthy no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I've experienced. He's worthy. And I need to approach him like that. If I approach him any other way, then my love for God is very subjective. My love for God is very conditional. My faithfulness to God becomes conditional. I'll do it when I feel like it. I'll do it when I feel better. I'll do it when I have taken care of all this junk when I have time. He's got to be number 1 on my list of priorities. Because he's number 1 on his list of I'm number 1 on his list of priorities. You're number 1 on his list of priorities. Let's make him number 1 in ours. When we come into a place of worship, let's worship him like we know how to worship. When it's time to pray, let's pray to Him like we know how to pray. Effectually, fervently, passionately, zealously, pursuing the presence of God. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Pressing in. Striving to enter in. Sometimes that's that's what it is, folks. You're, you're pushing through a bunch of junk. You got all kinds of voices coming at you. You got all kinds of, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I no 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 no, I got to stay focused on this. Sometimes it's work to get into the presence of God, but it's always worth it, folks. It's so worth it, and you're stronger for the experience. You're stronger because of it. awesome Christmas message. Offering as an act of worship. Did you know that our giving is an act of worship to God? It sure is. Not only did the wise men bow themselves in worship to Jesus, they brought him gifts. And when we love God and we're submitted to him, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but, uh, Maybe those joining us online will, will need to hear this. This is one of the most giving churches I've ever been blessed to, to be a part of. And I, I I say that. Holy Ghost is my witness. You guys are givers. And I so very much appreciate that. And I trust that God blesses you because of it. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. We don't give out of duty or obligation. Maybe that's an okay place to start, but uh, please don't stay there. Give because you love God. Give because you're so thankful of what he's done in your life. And we don't just give, you know, we always talk about the tithe and the offering, but we have more resources that God has blessed us with than, than just money. He's given us time which in our culture today is way more precious than money. It is. I can't believe how precious time becomes. How about talent? We all have talents that we can use for the glory of God. And all of these things, when we give them to God, we offer them in worship to God. Whereas the wise men sacrifice time and effort as well as finances, to see Jesus. Shepherds left their flocks to see Jesus. Mary, though, she gave up everything in submission to the plan of God. Now, it's kind of hard for us to understand. Maybe even 50, 75 years ago, it would have been easier for us to understand. But in our current cultural climate, sexual lasciviousness, as, as commonplace as that is, it becomes harder and harder for us to, to understand Mary's position here. Well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal was, in her culture, this was everything. For a young woman to be married, to have a lot of children, that was everything in their culture to a young woman. Her reputation was at stake. Her marriage was at stake. Her chance at a family was at stake. Her whole future was on the line by saying yes to this one act. Basically, God's going to make me pregnant out of wedlock. How, are, how is anyone else going to see this as? Yahweh made me pregnant. Oh, okay, lock her up, kill her now. Can you imagine trying to explain this one? Absolutely true. But despite all of this, her response was, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She submitted to it, knowing full well what it meant that it probably meant she was sacrificing everything. Joseph also had a lot at stake by obeying God and taking Mary to his wife. What would society say if they knew that Joseph married, I'll just say it, a whore? Because that's exactly what they would have thought. She got pregnant out of wedlock. They weren't asked to give up possessions, but they were asked to give up their very selves. Mary, her reputation. Joseph, his pride. We'll give a lot for those that we love, won't we? A husband would offer up his life to save his wife. I hope. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it mother would sacrifice herself if it meant her children would live soldiers will sacrifice themselves for their country or at the very least for their brother or sister standing to the left and to the right and sailors and sailors <laughs> what would we be willing to lay down in service to Jesus How much do we love him? I know how much he loves me. He's given me everything, he laid down everything for me. This story is told in Angela Hunt's classic, The Tale of Three Trees. Has anyone ever read this? I have not. Anyway, it goes like this. Once upon a mountaintop, three little trees dreamed of what they wanted to one day become. The first tree longingly said, I want to be the most beautiful treasure chest, covered with gold and be filled with precious stones. The second tree thought and said, I'll be a strong ship traveling mighty waters and carrying kings. The third tree simply said, I want to grow tall and point people toward heaven. Years passed and the little trees grew tall. One day, three woodcutters climbed the mountain. The first woodcutter chose the first tree, and with a swoop of his shining axe, the tree fell. Now I shall be made into a beautiful chest, the first tree said. The second woodcutter approached, and with a swoop of his shining axe, the second tree fell. Now I shall sail mighty waters, said the second tree. Although the third tree once stood proudly, with a swoop of the axe, the third tree fell too. The first tree rejoiced when the woodcutter took her to a carpenter's shop but the carpenter fastened the tree into a feed box for animals, where she was coated with sawdust and filled with hay. The second tree smiled when the woodcutter took him to a shipyard, but the one strong tree was sawed into a simple fishing boat. The third tree was confused when the woodcutter cut her into strong beams and left her in a lumber yard. Years passed. One night, golden starlight poured over the first tree as a young woman placed her newborn baby into the feed box. Though it was not a cradle... Suddenly, the first tree knew she was holding the greatest treasure in the world. One evening, a tired traveler and his friends crowded into an old fishing boat. A storm arose, and the little boat knew he did not have the strength to carry so many passengers through wind and rain. The tired traveler stood up, stretched out his hand, and said, Peace. The storm stopped as quickly as it had begun. Suddenly, the second tree knew he was carrying the King of Heaven and Earth. One Friday morning, the third tree was yanked from the woodpile and carried through an angry, jeering crowd, Soldiers nailed a man's hands to her, but afterward, on the third day, the third tree knew she had served a great purpose. Now, every time people would think of the third tree, they would think of God. Sometimes our dreams don't match up with God's plans. We may even forget our dreams, but when we worship God by giving our all to him, our lives will have so much more value because they will be used for his glory and his kingdom. Amen. Let's all stand. And if we could, let's just pray for a moment. Pray, worship, give thanks, whatever uh, you feel led to do. Unto the Lord our God, because he was manifest in the flesh, because he came as a man. Lived life among us the way it ought to have been lived, as our example, and ended up on a tree in our place so that our sins could be paid for. Let's thank him for that. Let's worship him for that, just for a moment. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for you. During this season, the world is again reminded of this fact, this fact that we are reminded of every single day of our lives, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, that you are the God who is with us. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful that you came as a baby, that you lived life among us, and that you died in my place. You paid the just punishment of my sins yourself. It should have been me on that tree, but it was you instead. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you you for your sacrifice at Calvary. But that would have never been possible if you hadn't been born. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and saving me. Oh, hallelujah. You came all the way from your throne in glory to come and save me. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you. I worship you so very much. And I am so thankful for who you are, for what you've done. Thank you for your presence in my life. I pray, Lord Jesus, a blessing upon each person here, upon each person within the sound of my voice, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, O God, that as we walk with you, that we would come to know you more and more, that we would become like you a little bit more each and every day. Help us, Lord Jesus, to enter into your presence with expectation, with rejoicing, with hope, with joy. You are so good to us. You are such a great God unto us. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. As we go our separate ways, protect them, bless them, bring us back to your house at the day appointed. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, sir. The Hoffmans did need to leave early. Brother Hoffman is experiencing some health issues. Uh, If we could bind together in prayer for him right now. Amen. Lord Jesus, we worship you, and we are so thankful for every covenant promise that you've given us in your word. We stand now upon the covenant promises of healing that you've given us, healing that you've purchased for us at Calvary with stripes on your back. Hallelujah, Jesus. I take authority over this infirmity right now according to the power and according to the authority that you've given us as children of the Most High God. And I claim healing. I claim deliverance in Jesus' name. And Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor because you are our great physician. You are the one that heals us. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our cry. Thank you, Jesus, for healing our bodies, minds, and spirits. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. Thank you.